Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. You can go ahead and find a seat. We're so thankful you're here today. And uh, what a great time of worship. And that was so powerful. And thanks, Jordan, for that spoken word. That was amazing. And uh, if you're a guest, welcome to OKC Community. We're so glad you're here. Hey, before I jump into the the message today, I do want to share a few things that I feel like are kind of important uh, about really starting next week. Look at your neighbor right now and just say, next Sunday. Yeah, here's the deal. Next Sunday we have some things coming, off, coming up that I want everybody to know about. I'm going to go through this really quickly. I also even put on screen a few bullet points for us to kind of know what's going on. But next week is an important week. We kick, we kick off a new series called Live the Values. And we're introducing uh, what would be known as kind of our a church values that we've never talked about before. We're kind of taking a new chapter, if you will, uh, and we're, our, God is leading our church. And so this is a really important time for you to be coming to church. And I would really encourage you to be here as every Sunday you can be in August and September. Obviously, I would believe that all the time, but especially in this time because it's really, really important. And uh, so that starts next week. Also next week, join a group um, and our equips, uh, equip studies. Those are going to be available for you to sign up. We have connect groups. We also have a new vision around what we're calling equip studies that we're excited to tell you about. So what I'm telling you is that next week's an important week to be here next Sunday. And then also Alpha, uh, which we're very excited about, um, bringing Alpha back. And, and uh, that's going to be happening. Sign-ups for that weekend next week. So all those, the vision behind all those things are going to be shared a lot next week. And so you're going to want to hear about all the things that God's doing in our church, ways that you can be a part, ways that you, you can be a part of ministry. And uh, the last thing I want to share is gets its own slide today, and it's, okay, it's about o, our OKC Kids ministry. Now, this isn't a next Sunday thing. This is more of a this Sunday thing. You know, over the years, we've had an amazing uh, culture of serving in our church and especially in our kids' ministry. I think right now we have over 60 people that serve in our kids' ministry. In fact, if you're one of our kids' ministry if you're one of our kids ministry leaders, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Give them a hand. We love you guys. We're so thankful for you. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that we're growing as a church, and our kids ministry specifically is growing, and we're adding more kids rooms, which means we need more kid leaders. And this is a real need, and we bring this before you as like, hey, not just get involved with us, but like, hey, if you're, if you're that person that's like, How, where do you need me? This is where we need you. And, uh, and if you're interested in just getting information, not necessarily signing up, but just getting information about what it means to, to be a leader in kids' ministry, you can use that QR code on the screen. Let's be honest, the, widow, the real winner of COVID was the QR code, right? And so all you got to do is pull out your camera, of course, uh, scan that QR code to take you to the link, and it just has you fill out a form, and someone will be in contact with you. If you don't want to do the QR thing, you can always just go to the website, hit OKC Community Kids, and you'll find it. So this is a big deal, and we're asking uh, you to kind of step into it. So I'm believing that August is going to be a great month for, um, for, for really all of us. I mean, America's going to win more gold medals than everyone, and we're going to have a great month at church. So it's going to be awesome, and I am ready to go. You guys ready, to, ready for a great month? All right. Well, I want to pray for the day. I want to pray for, uh, of course, God to just do what he wants to do and for him to move in us. And so I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to just continue to move. He's already moving. We're just going to say, God, just continue to have your way today. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray, um, we pray for your mercy today and that it would just be extended to each and every person today. Lord, I know people in here uh, 
they need you today, and, and, and even if they don't realize it, we all need you. And so we pray with a heart of expectation for you to move in us. And, and, and Lord, we just pray that um, as we open your word, that the word would speak powerfully to our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your presence, and we just invite you into this room. You are welcome in this room. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as I mentioned earlier, we're in week number seven, which is our final week of our series called The Art of Living. And, and I want to end this series in Mark chapter 8. So if you want to get a Bible out or your phone out, Mark chapter 8, which is one of my favorite Jesus stories is in this chapter. In fact, I come back to this place, this chapter in the Bible often uh, because I think about this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. And it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's so real and it's so very telling of what Jesus is trying to do in the disciples because believe it or not, Jesus actually was trying to do some work in the disciples on which he wanted to see growth in them. He had expectations of change in them. He wanted them to progress and to apply what he was teaching. I know that sounds a little crazy to apply what Jesus taught, but that's what he was, it was, what he was assuming and hoping what would happen. And I've titled today's message, Don't Forget the Creator. And uh, we've been talking a lot about us as creatives. Um, but God has, and that fact that God has created us to create, but in that journey, we cannot forget the creator. And we're going to get into that a little bit, but Mark chapter 8, this is the story of when Jesus feeds the 4,000. Now, this is different than the story when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the, with the boy who had the two, lo or the, the two fish and the five loaves of bread. It's different than that one. You know, he fed 5,000 in that one, plus all the women and children, equaled around, you know, 15 to 20K that day. And, and that's how many people he fed. But this one, it's 4,000. It's a similar story because it's another feeding miracle. But it's happened after the 5,000. And so there's, it's different because of some assumed applied learning, meaning there should have been some learning applied from the last time this happened. But it didn't really happen to the way that maybe Jesus expected. So... What we're trying to say a little bit as we roll into this is the art of living is often about the art of learning. Are you all with me? All right. So let's read Mark chapter 8, verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion. Everyone say compassion. compassion. We'll come back to the point of compassion in a moment. But he says, I have compassion for these people and they have already been with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Now, this moment should be ringing some bells for the disciples, right? This, this exact scenario has happened, but it is not ringing any bells. And his disciple answer, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Jesus, I don't see a Whole Foods or a buy for less. You know, where on earth could we get enough bread? I mean, Thomas is deep staring at Jesus like, where would we get bread, Jesus? We've never been in a situation like this before. This is be impossible. We'll never have enough bread. Jesus, what do we do? It wasn't Thomas, but hey, he was always doubting, so I just, I just assume it was him. You know what I mean? And so I'm sure Jesus wasn't even disappointed in this moment. He knew what he was getting into when he signed up these disciples. You know what I mean? Like he knew that they weren't perfect. They were going to learn slow. He's like, these are humans. This is what happens. We are, we are not perfect. It takes a long time for us to learn. And we forget and we say and do dumb things. And Jesus loves us anyway. Amen? So, so Jesus asked us in verse 5, and he asked them in verse 5. He says, how many loaves do you have? 
Seven, they replied. How many loaves does who have? How many loaves does that small, that small boy around here again? Go find him out there. See how many loaves he's got this time. How many loaves in the crowd? Does he ask that? How many, how many loaves do we need? Does he ask that? No, he says, how many loaves do you have? He's looking at the disciples and saying, I actually want you to give this time. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there are times when we hear about a need in life and we think, man, I hope the church really does something about that. <laughs> or, or we're like, man, someone needs to do a fundraiser for the school or something, right? Or, man, I've, uh, that person, I heard they, you know, they need a couple thousand dollars to, f- to fix their car, but I only have $200. And so we think if we can't solve it, we shouldn't serve it. <laughs> God is asking you, oh, that was good. God is asking you, God is asking you, what do you have? He's not asking if you can solve it. He's not asking, do you have enough? He's asking, are you willing to give what you have? Are you willing to give what I've given you? Are you willing to pour out what I've given you? See, last Sunday we spoke from 2 Kings 4 in the story of the woman that had the little bit of oil. Remember this story? She had a huge financial need, but she had very little to order to, in her estimation, in order to meet that need. And so the oil was, in her estimation, it might have seemed like nothing, but we talked about it wasn't nothing. It was something the enemy wants to call what we have, who we are, the things we do. He wants us to measure the little bit we have as insignificant, as deficient, as small. And the enemy says, you don't have anything. But we have to look at the little bit that sometimes we have in life and realize, no, it's not nothing, it's something. And Elisha asked the woman, what do you have in your house? And here is Jesus asking the disciples, how many loaves do you have? She said, I have a little bit of oil. And the disciple says, well, I got seven loaves. And so Jesus is saying, so what do you want to do with that? Do you want to send these people home? Question mark. Do you want to give up? Do you want to call it a day? Do you want to say that what you have isn't enough? Maybe Jesus already knew that they had seven loaves. Do you think he did? (laughs) You think Jesus was like pretty aware how many loaves were in their little bread satchel? (laughs) I think he knew. But he wanted them to recognize the work that he wants to do is is never limited by our circumstance, our scarcity, or even our limiting beliefs. Maybe he was also doing a really good job of reminding them who he was. And I just kind of believe that some of us in this room today need to be reminded of who Jesus is. That he is the God of wonders. That he, he is the God who does immeasurably more. That Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that saved your life from sin. And I think that's so important to remember. When I think about my life before I came to know Christ as a teenager, even at a young age, my life was bent towards rebellion. My life was bent towards aligning myself with things that were not of the Lord. I was so far removed from God, even at a young age, that I have to remember that if Jesus didn't rescue me from that life, I can't imagine where my life would be today and who I'd be today. But Jesus rescued me, saved me, redeemed me, and he put me towards a path towards my salvation. And so when I think about I have to remember that God saved me from a life of sin and separation and how easy it is to forget what Jesus saved me from. Who needs a reminder of who Jesus is today, that he's the healer, the the provider, the giver of life? Verse 6, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. 
They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them, and he told, them, he told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Everyone say satisfied. satisfied. You know that was some good fish and chips. <laughs> Theologians agree that this is where fish and chips originated. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets. You can do your own study on that. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. Now, he just performs a mic, I mean, <laughs> excuse me, performs this miracle, which is unbelievable. And then he just gets in a boat and leaves to a place called Dalmanutha, which I don't think I'd want to live in Dalmanutha, but they did. And so he gets to this point in the story that's unexpected right here. If you're reading, you're like, okay, so now he's going across the lake, and Jesus feeds thousands. He drops the mic, and then he leaves. That's basically what happens. And he goes across, and when he gets there, it says this in verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. So he gets out of the boat, and he's immediately hit with the Pharisees, and they're asking him questions. Now, he just performed a miracle, a sign, a wonder, and they test him, and they asked him for a sign from heaven. And he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them. So he left Dalmanutha, got back in the boat and crossed to the other side. He's like, oh, you want signs for me to prove myself. He says, hmm. You want signs, but you have no faith. He's like, you aren't ready. I got to go. Peace. So he leaves. One of the things you can notice in the Gospels, and this is really important, is that Jesus didn't do miracles and signs to prove himself. He did miracles to express love and mercy. And so healings weren't an act of proving they were an act of love and grace and compassion. That's why he did them. You see, I don't believe that Jesus needed to prove himself. He was, he was actually pretty, had a strong inner core understanding his own identity. He understood his identity in Christ because, you know, he, he was Christ, right? So miracles, they were an act of compassion. It act, in, in fact, if you go back and read the story of 5,000, it says the same things that it says in the story of the 4,000. Jesus literally said, I have compassion on these people because they're hungry. It's important to understand that miracles, healing, supernatural events never happen in the scriptures to prove God exists. It's why you don't show up at, on a big stage in front of a disbelieving crowd and God shows off his magic tricks. That's not the way it works. No, God shows up in these very unexpected moments with a group of people who are crying out to them in hunger and in, and in thirst for him, needing God's presence, needing God's touch in their life, and that's where he shows up. And so when people who need healing but they don't really have the faith to believe that God can heal them, maybe that's why they don't get healed. And so God isn't looking for the perfect kind of faith, but he is looking for faith in order to move. So God doesn't show up to prove. He shows up to extend his love and compassion. And this is really, really important because for the naysayers, they say, well, God doesn't ever show up. And it's because he's like, hey, you aren't ready. Peace out. I'm looking for faith. All right, verse 14. This is my fave part of the story, by the way. The disciples have forgotten to bring the bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Look at your neighbor and said, they forgot. They forgot. 
<laughs> I've preached this passage a few times. I think one time I called it. Now, not this message. This is, there's so much to teach from this particular message. I've never taught this message, but I have taught from this text. And I think I called the message, Who Forgot the Bread? Right? Because I always picture the disciples looking at one another being like, man, who forgot the bread? You know, Peter is like, little James, you had one job, bro. Just one job. Get the bread. So they're arguing and fretting about who forgot the bread. And then Jesus says in verse 15, he says, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out. Now, remember, he just got in the boat after telling the Pharisees, forget you all, right? He says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. <laughs> they're worrying about the bread. And they discussed this with one another and said, it must be because you have no bread. They're like, I don't know what Jesus is talking about. Matthew is like, well, he said something about yeast. And then they all look at little James. And they're like, oh, you know, the bread that James forgot to bring. Again, I have no idea if these are the right names. I'm just picking on people right now. It might have been Matthew. It might have been James. I don't know. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Now, this is where we need to stop today. For just a little bit. We'll come back to the story in a minute. But do you still not see or understand? Is this a fair question of Jesus? And essentially he's saying, after all I've done, do you still not understand? After all I've given you, do you still not understand? After all you've seen, do you still not understand? After all I've forgiven, do you still not understand? After all I've created, do you still not understand? Do you still worry? Do you still doubt? Do you still complain? Do you still ask questions? Are you still not understanding something here? And here's what I like about this moment, because it reminds us that God likes for us to use our brains. <laughs> he likes for us to apply, to apply what God has done in one moment of our life to another moment. Meaning if God does something that leaves an impression on your life, if God does something that teaches you a, a truth, if God provides for you in one circumstance and then you have another circumstance where you have a need again, he wants you to apply what he taught you in one situation to another. It's called applied learning, right? But what do we do? We like to compartmentalize in our life, don't we? We like to call things seasons, experiences. We like to call things categories. We like to call things certain periods of time. We think, well, just because it happened before doesn't mean it will happen in this particular situation. What was for then and there is not for here and now. And so we like to do that a lot. We compartmentalize things in our life. But here's the thing about the idea of compartmentalization is that God is a holistic God where the lines between spiritual and secular do not exist. The distinction between church and state is non-existent to God. He sees you as a leader in one circumstance, and he sees you in a leader in every other circumstance. He's not like you're a leader there, but not there. We do that. We distinguish between the two, but God doesn't. God doesn't see your friends in categories to where you act, you know, different versions of yourself depending on who you're hanging out with. We may do that, but God doesn't do that. Because here's the thing, God's holiness doesn't turn off when you turn the TV on. Because we want to watch whatever we want to watch, no matter if it's something we'd be embarrassed to watch with our grandma. But God's holiness doesn't turn off just because the TV turned on. He sees your life as one. Right? You may not expect God to move at work like he moves in the church, but God does. God doesn't distinguish between the two. It's us that do the separation and the compartmentalization. And here are the disciples in one situation with God, 
and he was extending compassion to a large crowd of people. He feeds 5,000, and then they have another situation where there's 4,000, and they didn't apply what they learned before to that one. And then they get in a boat. He does it again. Like, guys, okay, let me help you out. Let's do this again. How many loaves do you got? Let's, let's just do this whole thing again. Then they get in a boat, and they have one loaf and 13 people. He says, why are you guys worrying about the bread? Do you still not understand? Jesus is asking them, seriously, are you struggling here? I want to show you something. I, God put a picture in my mind this week that I felt like I should share today. And uh, it's a little bit of an odd illustration, but I had this picture come to mind. I'll put it on the screen. Yeah, and it, it kind of found, a, I Googled up kind of what was in my head, and I found this, and this is sort of it. Um, but let's imagine that God has called you. Let's imagine that God has called you to do something, that he's created you to do something, right? And, and that something is represented in this picture by chopping wood. Now, illustration disclaimer, hashtag save the trees, right? But now, <clears throat> just kidding, we need, we need to chop some trees. Um, now, I don't mean that you are literally created to chop wood, all right? This is a metaphor, you guys get it? But the work of chopping wood in this picture represents how your work has a greater purpose and has not only a purpose that's greater than you actually having a job, but the fact that it has a greater purpose than that. So chopping wood represents uh, that you may be chopping wood to do more than just create for yourself, but building a house for people to live in or building buildings for people to work in or for to burn in fires for people to stay warm or to cook food in or whatever. The point is what you're called to does have a bigger purpose than you think. And, and so here's the thing. That's not even the point of what I want to make. Um, you may be tempted to think that in this metaphor, God is the one who gives you the tools you need in order to do what you need to do. So he's the one that gives you the ax, for example, in order to chop wood. So God has equipped you with an ax. Or maybe you're thinking, well, no, 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 let's change the metaphor a little bit. God's the, the one chopping the wood, and we're the ax. We're his tool in his hands. Is that the metaphor, Tim? You got it? And I was like, well, I mean, that's good, too. All those things work. But I think the picture that I really want to focus on is if you look in the background, and it's kind of hard to see on the screen, but um, it's blurry, isn't it? And if you were able to see that picture up close, it, what you see in the background is the forest. And this is what the picture is all about is that this is about the God that is the creator of the forest. There's no job, no purpose, no meaning, no chopping wood without the forest. You know, he's created the very landscape that we use to find our meaning. We think that chopping wood is about how good we can be at chopping wood. We think that it's about, you know, holding the ax we think it's about how hard we're sweating. But God looks at us and says, do you still not understand that this isn't really about you, is it? Like, without me, there would be no wood to chop. There would be no passion to pursue. There would be no purpose to fulfill. There would be no art to create. This is true for all humans, Christians or not. Without God, nothing is possible in life. It's almost like God would say, you obsess over your work while you ignore the work of my hand all the time. You see, you and I in this picture, we get caught up in thinking that we need God to help us do better at chopping wood. Help us up our quota of how many 
logs we can chop in a day. And so we think it's all about what we do, but God wants us to think about something different. He's saying, I want you to start noticing the forest instead of the trees. He's like, how many times do I have to remind you of the big picture of what's really important in your life? I imagine this conversation with Jesus being like, you know, friends, I want you to remember all that I've shown you, taught you, and done in your life. And then I actually want you to apply those things and believe that those things that I've done before I can do again. And I want you to find a way of living that's less about sweating through life with an axe and it's more about enjoying the things I've created. Because I think for all of us, we would say we want to appreciate the forest over the axe, don't we? And you're like, I'm lost now. Remember the metaphor. <laughs> the axe is your work. It's what you create. Don't you want to appreciate the creator over your creation? You see, we forget the creator all the time and we make it about us. And we forget, it gets blurred in the background. It's just part of our life. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's back there, but it's really what's in focus and what we're all about is the thing and right in front of us, the things that we're creating. And I'm trying to tell us that we can't forget our creator because Jesus was reminding the disciples in that boat on that day that it's not about what is in the boat. You're still forgetting and you haven't figured out who is in the boat with you. He's like, it's easy to think in the art of living is about what you have and what you do, but it's not... That's not it at all. The art of living is about who created you. And so we can't forget the creator, but yet we do all the time. So Jesus goes on and he asks them a few questions. We'll go back to Mark chapter 8. And he asks them these questions after he says, do you still not understand? He says, are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up then? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? He says, haven't I shown you enough that you'd see the world differently by now? Hasn't my love and grace and compassion and power been seen and felt enough that you wouldn't worry about petty things? You see, the art of living, my friends, this whole, this, whole, this whole series has been, yes, about the creator and his creatives, but it's about this too today. This is where we land this whole thing. That for you to have any significance, meaning, purpose in life that you will feel like the lasting impact of, it is for you to understand that the thing that must be most clearly in focus in your life is who's in charge and who's really Lord. What's your heart softened towards? What's the vision that you have? What's the things that you listen to? What's the things that you're remembering? Because if we don't apply the things that God has taught us before, we just get refocused right back in what everybody else in the world is doing, and we just start chopping wood. And we think life is about what we can produce instead of what we can experience with our Father. So Jesus asked these three questions, and these three questions are uh, going to be kind of how we land this series. So he's like, if you don't understand, here's the three questions I want us to talk through. Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Now, I don't know the tone in which Jesus asked these questions. 
I think I've always read them, and you probably do too, as if Jesus is annoyed with the disciples in this moment. Like he's frustrated with them. Like he's a little bit angry. Like how many times do I have to talk about this? But I think we need to remember something. The fact that every healing, every miracle, every work of God, every supernatural event, I already mentioned this, but it was an act of compassion and love. It was an act of grace. It was an act of mercy. And so if God is the God of mercy, God is the God of compassion, and if God is love, well, wouldn't these questions be one of compassion? What if the tone was different in our minds? God is asking you, is your heart hardened? And this is what I'm asking you today. Has your heart become calloused and cold towards God? Have you become disinterested in seeking God or trusting him? Jesus in compassion is saying, will you soften your heart towards me? For some of you, will you soften your heart towards me again? Some of you, it's will you soften your heart towards me for the first time? Will you become tender and humble? Because when your heart is softened, you're able to receive what I want to give you. In Ezekiel 3, it says, I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God always wants us to have tender hearts, soft, receptive and so you have to ask yourself, has my heart become hardened towards God, towards the church, towards people? Toward, is, is my heart full of some, some sort of resentment right now, bitterness? Is it, is it just calloused? Because if you're struggling to understand what God's doing in your life, you have to ask yourself, has my heart become hardened? Because God cares about you and where you are. And no matter if your hard heart has become hardened, he still gets in the boat with you. Then he asked, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And this is, this is so common for so many of us. Are we, are we struggling to see the forest for the trees? Like we're only focused on what's right in front of us and not the big picture of what God wants to do in our life. Are you only focused on your work or your circumstances or your personal gain or, or, or even your, just your life? And you never think about what God wants to do in this world. So many people... We say we're about the gospel, but yet we do nothing for the gospel. We only want to receive from the gospel. We only want to get from the gospel. We only want what the gospel gives us, not for us to go and get the gospel to everybody else. Do you have eyes but fail to see? Are you struggling to see God's plan because of your problems? Or maybe you can't see a vision or you can't hear God's voice. And Jesus asked this question again with compassion. He's like, can you not see? I want to help you see. Can you, not, can you not hear my voice? He wants to help us see. It's no coincidence that in Mark chapter 7, right before this story, right before it, God miraculously healed. Jesus miraculously heals a man who is deaf. And then the story right after this particular verse right here, Jesus miraculously heals a blind man. So he's, the story is sandwiched in between God giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. Proverbs 20, 12 says, ears to hear and eyes to see are both gifts from the Lord. Meaning it's a gift. It's something he wants to give you out of his mercy and compassion. And then the third question is, don't you remember? And in this moment, it was incredibly specific, wasn't it? It was don't you remember the 5,000? Don't you remember the 4,000? Don't, don't you remember? 
But Jesus was always talking about this act of remembrance. We, we know this. We go to the very end of the story with him and the disciples. They're around a table, and he says, hey, I want you to do this meal again in remembrance of me and what I'm going to be doing for you on the cross, meaning I want you to live a life every day in which you're remembering what I've done for you, that I've saved you from a life of sin, that I've rescued you from a life of eternal separation. I need you to remember that because when you forget and you let it become a blurry part of your life to where it's in the background, but it's not the thing that you're focused on, you're just going to get focused on the things of this world. You're going to become insular. You're going to become selfishly motivated. But I want you to remember me. Remember what I did for you on the cross and in this life. And then I want you to apply what I've taught you and done for you to the rest of your life, yet we forget. So I'm asking you today, has your heart become hardened? Are you trying to see things, but you just, you just can't see and you need God to help you? Or are you trying to hear him, but it seems so distant? Don't you remember what God has done for you? And because we want to be people who have a tender heart towards God. We want to be people who can see God's vision for our life. We want to be people who can hear God's voice and be led by his spirit. And we want to be people who remember all that God has done. That, my friends, is the art of living. A tender heart to God. Eyes to see the things Jesus wants us to see. Ears to hear the things that the Spirit wants to tell us. And a life that every day remembers our Creator and the things that Jesus has done. That is the art of living. The ministry of Jesus intends to teach us so we'll apply it to our life. Are you applying what Jesus has done? I want to pray for you. And I just want to hope, I just hope that today, even wherever you're at, that God would speak to you. Because I do believe that there's some hard, hardened hearts in here that need to be softened. And there's some eyes that need to see and some ears that need to hear. And some of us, we need to remember today that just because we're in need today, we have to remember that he's, we've been in need before and he always provides. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we just wanna ask you to fill the room right now with your Holy Spirit, with your presence, fill the room. We just want you to release vision today. Speak loudly, Father. Fill the room with your presence. We want our hearts to be softened. We want vision to be released. We want you to hear your voice. We want to remember your goodness. Fill the room in a way today that, Father, um, each and every one of us experience something. We either experience our heart being softened to your spirit today. The Lord, the things that we thought we couldn't see, the Lord, you'd open our eyes today to see in a new way and in a better way. That Father, even the things that we, there's so much noise in this world and Lord, I just pray, I just pray that it would cut through the noise today, that your voice would speak directly to us. And then Father, for anybody that just has forgotten all that you've done, May it come like a flood today. 
leading us to re-surrender our lives and recommit our hearts. Father, we've made our life about chopping wood when it should be about what you've created in this world, that, Father, we've focused on our own selves and not on you. Father, I pray that you would forgive us. Forgive us for how we forget. Forgive us that, Father, you teach us over and over again and we still miss the point. But, Lord, thank you for your loving compassion and grace and kindness towards us that continues to teach us, continues to pull us back, continues to release your miracles, your healing, your forgiveness, your grace. Lord, we're so thankful for it. We're sorry that we keep sometimes just taking the things you teach us and let it become a blurry thing in the past, something that we compartmentalize and forget about. But Lord, let us be one today. Let us have one life in which we aren't different in different circumstances. We aren't different with different people. But Father, we are one with you that, Lord, we would understand that you've created us, yes, but that, Lord, that causes us to understand we have a creator. We never want to forget you. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person today that, Lord, that would happen. Speak to us, soften our hearts, show us, let us see. We're going we're gonna to sing in a moment, and this altar is going to be open, and you can come and you can sing um, in your seats, or you can come and pray at the altar, you can come pray with the prayer team member. But the idea today is that you would respond. You would respond to your Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. We never want to forget you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Allow this time to be a time of response, giving your heart to the Father. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com. Dot com.